Hey, y'all, and welcome to the On Iowa podcast. I'm Leah Van, the Iowa Hawkeye beat writer for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And today I am joined by Mr. Jeff Johnson. He covered the Hawkeyes last fall and covers preps in the area and all kinds of other things. I'm still learning what my own coworkers do on the job. So, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Oh, you know, just making my way through another day. It's been chaotic but I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> I hear you have a, a marathon you got to run or you're going to run this weekend, huh? Half marathon. I'm only half, half crazy. Marathon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Only half crazy as they say. <laughs> and I'm going well, to regret it. I'm going to regret it because it's at like 3 PM in the afternoon, I'll be driving in from Iowa city to Des Moines and uh, it's going to be hot. In, in running terms, like hot is like anything above like 65 and it's supposed yeah. to be like 70. So I am hydrating with this like gallon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Try, trying to average like an, a gallon and a half to two gallons of water a day, you know, hits well, a little crazy. Don't over, over exert yourself there. Yeah. There's my only advice from the guy who doesn't run. So if you have to slow down, slow down. Yeah. There you go. Um, anyway, so I wanted to have you on because you know about last year's team a lot more than I do. And we've got the NFL draft starting tomorrow. And so I wanted to know your takes on what you have seen as far as like the mock drafts go or where you see some of these players ending up. From what you know, everybody's got an opinion, right? So, um, and hardly any of them are right. <laughs> well, I, well, I shouldn't say that, but uh, no, it's true. <laughs> um, it sounds like the consensus is Davy Nixon will be the first Iowa player to go. Um, and I was just reading this morning some stuff, and it looks like people are thinking like third round for him. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, Amir Smith-Marset, I think, has, has done himself uh, a lot of favors with his workouts and stuff here. Um, so I'm pretty sure he'll go maybe like fifth round-ish, um, something like that. And, and Larry Jackson, I think, will probably go right around that, that uh, time frame as well. And, you know, then you're looking at, um, you know uh, – Nick Neiman, what's what's going to happen with him, right? Uh, um, he's got the his brother uh, obviously has been an important player for the Kansas City Chiefs, so as a free agent, so that's you would think that would help him. I think they're similar type of players and high motor type of guys. So um, I don't know if he'll get drafted, but certainly he's going to get a shot um, uh, as a free agent at worst and. You know, I like, uh, you know, Brandon Smith is always a guy that, that really has intrigued me just because of his size. Um, you know, he's got that size and, uh, uh, you know, some athletic ability, some big play type of potential maybe to go with that. And, um, you know, huge hands, which, you know, obviously they, it, it always helps the receiver. So, I, again, there's, there's a guy that I don't know that necessarily – will get drafted, but I think he's going to get a legit shot in an NFL team. And I've thought for a couple of years that, you know, I, I, I think he's going to end up playing in the NFL someday. So, but again, I don't know much. So, um, but that, you know, that's, 
you know, that, I guess that's kind of the, uh, the main people that I keep reading about. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think? I guess. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it's funny. Cause when I looked this up last week, I looked up some mock drafts, you know, some complete ones. Cause a lot of mock drafts are only like the first round and the three complete ones I found were the athletic and I think it was pro football network and CBS sports. And they're all just like Davion Nixon went anywhere from the second round to the third round yeah. to either the, I think it was the athletics of the giants. I'm scrolling through right now. Pro football network said the Cleveland Browns and then CBS sports said the Detroit lions. So, okay. I had heard, uh, or the thing I read this, uh, this morning had him going to Houston. <laughs> so there you go. Right. So, okay. Let's just put all NFL teams on the slate for Davion Nixon. Yeah. That's the thing about mock drafts. Like I always think, uh, especially when you get into those later rounds, like how do you even, I, I don't know who does the research there and how do you even find out? I mean, no one's making an accurate pr- prediction, you know? Right. And I even you know. saw like Mina Kimes joking around about it. I think Michael Oss sent me the little Twitter exchange Mina Kimes had with some people about late round wide receivers. And she's, she was tweeting about Amir Smith-Marset. And she was like, oh, when he gets drafted, like all of us Oops. are going to just lose our, uh, lose our cool. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and, and I mean, that's, you know, as you know, and I mean, it's like, uh, why would, what, what good does it do for, for teams to talk about people that guys are interested in? Right. It doesn't, it, it, you know, you don't want anybody else to know what you're thinking. Um, even if even past the first round. So it's just, you know, uh, I, I love how everybody's an expert and has their opinions and, you know, then you go through and, uh, you know, seems like only Mel Kuyper is the one that really gets it even close to right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even he's usually off base, but what I did find intriguing was that Nick Neiman did make at least one draft, like one mock draft and it was the athletic. And I'm wondering, like, does the fact that he has a brother in the NFL, does that add to his stock? I would certainly think so. Right. Because, um, uh, you know, and and he was undrafted, you know, as well. And, And so, I mean, he had to work, you know, um that much harder to to get a spot and to make a spot and uh, you know now he's been in the league for multiple years and I mean it's a football family obviously with with dad being a uh, assistant coach uh, uh at Iowa and a longtime assistant coach in college so I mean they know the game inside and out you would think right both yeah. boys so um you know, and, and he's, he was kind of an unheralded type of guy, I thought, maybe at Iowa. But, uh, you know, the intangibles certainly are there in, in, in many respects. And, uh, you know, there's another guy I can definitely see, even if he doesn't get drafted, is, is maybe making an NFL uh, roster uh, at some point, you know, in his career. Yeah. Do you think um, any of these guys, like – what do you think if you had to go down the list, like Davion, Amir, Chauncey, Alaric, like what do you think they bring to NFL team rosters specifically, just from what you have seen in the past year that you covered the team? I think Nixon uh, is just, you know, incredible athleticism at a interior defensive position. 
um, somebody who's, I think, overcome a lot of things, uh, you know, personally uh, in his life with, you know, with a learning disability and everything. And I mean, uh, you know, there's a kid that, uh, you know, it, it just improved, uh, you know, improved his stock just immeasurably and and uh you know last season and uh really it really came on as as a player and showed why he was such a highly recruited guy that Alabama wanted you know so um I love that kid I love his personality as well uh always smiling um you know and you know scratching I think you're scratching the surface maybe of what he can he can become as well just because it you know, it took him a little longer to quote unquote get it than than maybe some other players. So I really, I think he's got a a, a ceiling, a pretty high ceiling. So I lo- I love what he could bring to the table um, in the interior defense. And you know, I think you wrote uh, something about Amir. I mean, there there's a guy uh, that um, big playability, right? I mean, somebody that can. Uh, can bust it uh, for a long play pretty much at, at any time. And, you know, you're reading some stuff about how uh, um, I think it was uh, Myra Medcalf at uh, ESPN said, tweeted out something about how he didn't think that maybe he was utilized as much as he should have been at Iowa um, from that standpoint, just because he has that kind of ability to, to uh, you know, to, to bust a long play and, and things like that. So, uh, and you know the don't forget the return stuff. I mean, he, he's he's got that you know in his background as well as, as he can be a return uh, specialist, which is only going to help his stock. So um, it's been a been a been a while since I was at a wide receiver in the NFL, and I think that that streak's going to come to an end. And you know, then you look at Alaric Jackson. I mean, Iowa and offensive lineman, right? You know, they, right. they go hand in hand. So uh, pretty clutch. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and there, and there's a kid that, uh, you know, came back, um, this past season to play, uh, to improve himself and improve his stock. And, um, you know, he's got that requisite size on the outside there at tackle. And, um, you know, there's another guy that, you know, I think if he could be a starter for an NFL team, um, you know, uh, as he moves along and, so, you know, and then I mentioned Neiman. I can, I can see Neiman as, as, you know, like a special teams terror, you know, if anything, uh, you know, there as well. So, um, you know, it, it's – it's this is fun. This is a fun part, right? We can all make our prognostications and, and see how we think people are going to fit and who they fit with. And um, that will sit back tomorrow, Friday and Saturday and – and see who goes where and then make some more predictions after that, I guess. Yeah. Some more, you know, speculation and acting like we all know for the better, even though we truly don't. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The only people who know are the ones who are in the room. Uh, But I wanted to shift gears. I know you've been covering baseball and I think that we probably should uh, touch base on Iowa baseball and I haven't really kept up with your coverage, but in a nutshell, what's going on with that team and what's, what's uh, exciting about the future? Well, um, they, they got off to a very slow start. Um, the big 10 made a late decision basically to, uh, to play and to play conference only uh, games. No, no midweek, 
you know, non-conference games, um, et cetera, et cetera. They started the season a couple weeks later than, than most uh, every other Division I uh, conference did. And then Iowa had a, a COVID outbreak, uh, you know, as practice was getting going there. Um, that shut them down for almost a week as well. So, I mean, they had a slow start, and then they played what has turned out to be um, probably the best teams in the league right away in like Nebraska and Michigan and uh, teams like that. So um, all those things, all those factors kind of went together um, and led to a very slow start. Um, they didn't hit much in the early going, uh, but now, I mean, they've, they've since, uh, you know, since I think they were four or five games under 500. I mean, they've just really, really turned it on. They're really, they're starting to hit. Uh, they have a good lineup, really one through nine. Um, you know, starting pitching has is, is kind of evolved as well. Um, they've, they've got a couple of guys and, and like Trenton Wallace and, uh, uh, you know, Cam Bauman, who have really solidified the starting rotation for them. And they've got, you know, three, four guys out of the bullpen that have done a nice job. And, um, you know, they, they've just really, really turned it around. And I, they're playing as good a baseball as anybody in the Big Ten right now. And, um, you know, Rick Heller, the coach, is, is as good a coach as there is in the Big Ten. There's no question about that. He's really come in and, you know, kind of changed the culture and, and the expectation levels. And, uh, you know, this is a team that certainly right now I think uh, will we'll make an NCAA regional and, you know, could be very pretty dangerous, uh, you know, once they get there. Yeah, and from what I understand, they play Indiana next, right? Yeah, Indiana at Indiana for three, and that's huge because Indiana is right there. Um, I think second in the conference behind Nebraska, uh, who I was already played. Um, so, I mean, if you can win, uh, even two out of three, I mean, you're gaining, you're gaining on the Indiana, um, you know, uh, in the conference, there's no conference tournament this year. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things, um, you know, that every game is so important because of that, um, you know, how good and how good is the Big Ten? I mean, that's a huge question because there's no non-conference games. They're not playing any. They haven't played anybody from from the Pac-10 or the, the Pac-12 or the SEC or ACC or anybody like that. So no one really knows how good the Big Ten is. Um, that, no tournament. I mean, it just puts that much more importance on every single, uh, you know, regular season game here. We've got about a month left. So uh, I was in a good spot, but certainly needs to keep winning. Yeah, I was going to say those non-conference games in baseball really give you the context as to how good a team might be. I know that Texas baseball, we always like get hyped and then all of a sudden they'll play like an SEC team. You're like, oh no, you know, <laughs> like all, the, all the SEC teams are kind of what I picture to be like kind of the baseball, um, you, like bread and butter, I, I guess, when it comes to college baseball. And uh, that's just who I end up seeing. And stuff like that. So I don't know if you have any awareness as to what other baseball teams out there are like really the ones to watch this year or not. Yeah. It's um, what's really cool to me is that, um, you know, you look at, I think two of the top 10 teams right now in the nation are, are like Louisville and, and TCU. Um, and they have Cedar Rapids kids playing for them, which is really to me, very cool. Um, you know, Austin Krobe is, has turned into a, a great Big 12 conference caliber pitcher at, at TCU. 
Um, you know, he went to Kirkwood for a year and then started getting big time offers and decided that's where he wanted to go. And then, you know, Louisville, there's a couple of Cedar Rapids kids uh, playing outfield for him and Trey Leonard and, um, uh, you know, Levi Usher um, from Wash and uh, Prairie, respectively. So it's pretty cool when you see, um, you know, kids from little old Cedar Rapids playing big time college baseball, you know, at, at these these major powers, um, you know, the top programs in the country that that win year in and year out are legit national championship caliber um you know programs well and i when i covered baseball i covered uh high school baseball up in mason city and then i covered nyack baseball which yeah for, is, has, is really one of those places that cooks up a bunch of good players and yep. spits them out to like tcu and stuff and i saw some kids from fort worth even my neck of the woods traveling all the way up to Nyack only to come back to play for TCU just to up their levels. So I don't know. I've, I've always found the baseball atmosphere in Iowa to be super interesting, especially for a state that doesn't have its own pro team. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And they, and the high schools play summer seasons, the only state that plays the summer season, you know, doesn't play in the spring, um, which is, you know, it's, it's, I think it hurts the kids, but not as much as you used to because you know, everybody's so visible now. All they got to do is put together a, a video package and, you know, send it out <laughs> to people. And, you know, Perfect Game USA, the the renowned uh, baseball club uh, scouting service is, is based here and was started here. And they've helped immensely. And, uh, I mean, there's other uh, programs like PBR at I, uh, of Iowa is another good program um, that, that promotes kids and, uh, you know, dugout sports and out in Fairfax does a great job as well. And, uh, you know, they house all the, all the local kids, the area kids, um, in the off season, um, you know, that are in pro ball, uh, to, you know, for workouts and stuff, they have a, a really nice facility out there. So people like Mitch Keller, um, of Cedar Rapids, who's a starting pitcher for the pirates. That's where he works out in the off season. And it's, it's just, it's become a nice club where, uh, where all these guys have a chance to, to you know to work out and uh you know uh that, that's great that's great yeah well and before we get to summer you know we've got like i know there's minor league baseball coming up in the area i'm super stoked we got high school baseball you got summer college baseball all that before all that this saturday we have spring football last open practice last taste of this team that we get to see before we dive into the fall season. Um, obviously, you covered this team last season. So I'm wondering what you are interested in as like somebody who reported on this team. What do you think Iowa needs to do to fix? Like, are there parts that, of this team that you think Iowa needs to work on? Uh, defensive line comes to mind first. Maybe both both lines, honestly. Because, um, I mean, I, I look at this team and – I mean, I, it's as good as there is, I think, when it comes to the defensive secondary with all the guys coming back and all the experience at, at corner and safety and, uh, you know, the hybrid corner safety position, uh, the cash, as they call it, a position at Iowa. The linebackers, I think, are going to be tremendous. Um, you know, look for Jack Campbell to have, like, an all-Big Ten conference uh, season, for instance, I, in my opinion. But, you know, then you look at who's the only guy up front returning uh, is, is Van, Zach Van Valkenburg. So I was going to have to figure out uh, or 
piece together a defensive line and then, you know, offensive line too. I mean, you're losing some guys. So uh, you do have the huge advantage of, of probably the best center in the country uh, and Tyler Linderbaum up there. But how are those pieces going to fit around him at, at the guards and, and the tackles? I mean, there is uh, quite a bit of experience, um, you know, when you look at like a Kyler shot and, uh, you know, Cody Ince, guys that played last season on the outside. So, I mean, the pieces are there, but I, I just, you know, they just need to fit together um, and become cohesive. So that's really my big thing. And, uh, you know, wide receiver obviously is, is a question mark, you know, with, with uh, losing Smith and Smith-Marset. I mean, there are some guys there that have experience, uh, but is there somebody that's going to step up and, and uh, you know, uh, play on the outside with like uh, – uh, Nico Regani and, and, and guys like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I think, uh, I think this team's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good returning pieces coming back and, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a really good team. Uh, I can't wait for that Iowa state game. Boy, is that going to be fun. Oh man. I know we're not supposed to look that far, far ahead, but Holy cow. Oh man. I'm excited. I mean, yeah. It'll be my second time at Jack Trice, first mm-hmm. off, <laughs> because I already went for Texas playing Iowa State. I believe that would have been back in 2017. Okay. Uh, Texas's quarterback was Shane Duchel, and we won. We won that game. I was there. I got super great seats, and it was a good time. So um, now I get to be in the press box, so that'll be different. But I, was, I actually covered an Iowa State-Texas game in, in Austin. So I've been really, yes. Uh, and I remember they, they, uh, they ferried all the media down on the field, you know, a couple minutes before the game was over and, uh, stood right next to Bevo for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then I looked down and noticed that I had stepped in some of Bevo's business, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's my, always my indelible, uh, memory of, of, uh, of a covering a, a Texas game in Austin, but. Uh, that it was really hot that day. Oh, it's always hot. It's always yeah, hot. Right, Football right. season. Y'all have I snow. Know. We play in hundred degree weather. There you go. There <laughs> it's you go. The worst. Oh man. I, uh, it's interesting that you said the defensive line was a source of concern. I know that like this defensive line has kind of been rebuilt every year for the past couple of years. So they seem to be used to rebuilding it, but I also know that the defensive line in the beginning of last season was not as good as it was towards the end. Is that true? Is that kind of what you saw with your eyes? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, who, who expected, for instance, again, we, we mentioned Davion Nixon, but who expected him to have the season he did, right? And mm-hmm. how important was that to the defensive line uh, in its development? And, you know, then you had a guy like Chauncey Golston, uh, who's always been a, a very solid player up front. Uh, you know, what kind of leadership and quality play did he provide up there last year? So, I mean, they, they had some, some guys really step up and play and that's what, I mean, that's what they're going to need, uh, you know, here, I mean, they, but there's a number of names, guys that have a lot of experience, um, albeit limited in a limited type of way, but I mean, if they can find a guy or two, um, you know, to, to kind of play even remotely close to, to what Nixon and, and Golston did, uh, you know, I think they'll be fine. But um, so that that's to me, that's really 
really the biggest key for this team is the up front, um, especially on the defensive side. You know, moving forward, you got to stop the run, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to look at the offensive side. You mentioned Nico Regani, Tyrone Tracy as probably the two guys that are probably going to take that wide receiver part. I'm not so much as like concerned about the wide receivers though. I don't, I feel like uh, Kelton Copeland has kind of built that unit into having a plethora of options, especially if, you know, one of those top two don't work out. Keegan Johnson is the name that comes to mind. Arlen Bruce, all these new guys, but I was more concerned about the tight end position because there's like a ton of guys who literally have not seen the field at all. And, you know, you get Sam Laporta, clutch okay we've got that spot pretty much nailed but you know you need more than one guy to kind of play that position especially in an offense like Iowa's so yeah I don't know what did you see that as a source of concern or is this something that's kind of you're also used to being on the Iowa beat yeah I mean it's I mean it's just uh tight end just never really seems to be much of a concern and you mentioned Laporta but you're right and, and you don't want to think um negatively and say oh man you know what if he gets hurt but uh what if he gets hurt <laughs> I mean who's gonna step up but I think you got names there uh I think Luke Lachey is a guy that's that's got a, a opportunity to to be a, a really big time tight end for them and and that's you know uh and you know two tight they'll play a lot of two tight end sets so I think you'll see him and uh and Laporta doing a lot of a lot of uh you know, two tight end sets together. And while I'm thinking of it, we forgot when we talked about uh, NFL prospects, you know, let's see what Sean Byer does uh, at right. tight end. Cedar Rapids Kennedy prep, totally forgot about him. I mean, Iowa and tight ends, they go together perfectly too. So he's going to get a shot, even if he doesn't get drafted to, to show what he can do. So uh, go do your thing, Sean. Great kid. Great kid. Yeah. Yeah. He, see, he was a little shy in the press yeah. conference. Or maybe just not a talker, I can right. tell. Kind of right. your usual, like, Iowa guy does not talk much and uh, wants to show by example. But, yeah, I think he was also – Pro Football Network was really hot on him and said that, like, he was probably one of the top three tight end prospects in this draft, which I don't know if that's ambitious or not. Um, yeah. But he could be one of those guys that, you know, ends up in free agency, works his way up and just yeah. ends up on a roster and killing it. You know, yeah, the classic exactly. Iowa story. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And, and uh, you know, he played his best football by far last year, uh, you know, and, and kind of in the shadow, uh, in a sense, I guess, of, of Laporta because he played so well. But, um, you know, Sean really gave him another weapon and, and he's a good blocker. Uh, so, yeah, I totally can see uh, a kid like that, you know, hooking on to at the very least, like it's, um, you know, what the the practice squad and and maybe working his way up as as we go along there. So, well, and blocking is super important to at the tight end position in the NFL, especially. It's more so important than it would be in college, I think, too. And um, I, but yeah, I think. I know that this is tight end you, which is why, because the first time I went to an Iowa football media day uh, back when I was working at the Globe Gazette, I was, I picked up a roster and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What do you need 15 tight ends for? <laughs> and everybody was like, you know, like up here, we play farm boy football, like pro style offense. And I was like 15, we get four 
at, at Texas. And there's one that I think just an- entered the transfer portal yesterday. Cause he's like, I'm not going to get any playing time. <laughs> like, and it's true. Like I would too, if I were him, but he's a really good tight end. I was like, well, maybe I will pick him up. But like, it just seems like there was a never ending, like list of tight ends. And then I pick up the roster this year and there's like eight, which I consider to not be very many for Iowa. <laughs> And yeah. then I'm going through the names and I'm like, well, at least maybe one or two of them have seen some time on the field. Like Luke Lachey looked great during the spring practice last week. And, um, but when you look further down the roster and you've got like Bryce Schulte, I guess he's played a little bit in 2018 and 2020 and not a lot. And then you've got Josiah, Elijah, Jackson, Tommy. I'm like reading these names off of yeah. the story I wrote and literally none of them have played. So I'm interested to know if any of them will play in this uh, spring game on Saturday and if we'll see, you know, kind of the next men that are going to come up through the, through the roots. I don't know. Like I said, I guess it looks like Luke Lachey will be that number two guy, but I'm even looking for the number three guy, right? It's yeah, tied in yeah. you. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So in Mason City, did you come across Miguel Racinos? I all? did. I wrote about Miguel Racino several times. Did you? <laughs> yeah. There's another great kid. Another great <laughs> He's so. great. He was so fun to write about because he yeah. actually, like, he talks. I love kids Yeah, talk. exactly. <laughs> and exactly. I guess that's a kicker thing because, like, you know, kickers don't get the opportunity to talk very often because, you know, they're the kickers. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned uh, special teams that way for Iowa. I mean, they're, they're pretty set, right? They, got, they yeah. have uh, all Big Ten punter coming back and you know, I think Caleb Shudak's going to just step right in where, um, you know, Keith Duncan left off. And quite frankly, I think Caleb's got a little bit stronger leg than, than Keith did. So um, his decision to come back and play, I thought was huge for Iowa because, uh, you know, I think he's, I was not really going to, I don't think kicker's a question mark. Let's put it that way. With, I think he, he nailed a 51 yard field goal in the last practice and then he missed the second one. And, uh, I think we all kind of brushed over the fact that he made a 51 yard field goal yeah. in, in the, in the practice, which is, it's huge. I mean, and I know it's practice, but it's good to know that like, he's got that strength. He's got that accuracy. Um, and I think it's endearing that he came back, uh, yeah. because it, it seems like, you know, yeah, he could have left and he's been, he had to play behind Keith Duncan and, I don't know. I just, it seems like he's been waiting for this opportunity and he thought that maybe if I were him, I would think that I wasn't going to get it. And then yeah. you had to literally wait until the younger guy left. Yeah. You know? No, exactly. And I mean, he's shown he's got a strong leg with kickoffs and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he's probably got his designs maybe on some sort of uh, pro career moving forward too. So, I mean, this, this is his chance to, to uh to show it and uh, he wouldn't have had a chance to show it obviously if, if he wouldn't have decided to come back so good on good on him definitely for for doing that I mean I, I don't know how many kids uh you know would have come back one more year uh in his situation so yeah and I I, I would be remiss if I didn't discuss the quarterback situation even though I don't think there really is a situation that's my suspicion um but everybody wants there to be a situation <laughs> when it comes to the quarterback situation. So I don't know if what you saw last year gives you any intel on this situation, but do we think we're going to see Spencer Petrus starting for the Hawkeyes this fall? That's the bottom line question. 
Absolutely. 99% in my opinion. I mean, that's just, it's, it would be so unlike uh, Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz and, and the coaching staff to, to pull the plug on, on a quarterback uh, in this situation. I mean, Petrus is their guy, you know, and uh, it's nice to have options behind him. What, what do they always say, Leah? It's like the, every fan's favorite quarterback is the backup quarterback, right? So yep. I think that's, you know, uh, everybody's heard a lot about Deuce Hogan since he's been recruited. And, you know, uh, Padilla's done a nice job in, in a backup role, but I think this is Spencer Petrus's team, no question about it. Um, uh, you know, encouraged by his improvement, um, you know, down the stretch of the season because, I mean, quite frankly, he spent, you know, a lot of that season where you didn't really see a whole lot of improvement out of him, you know, Aaron throws and, uh, you know, happy feet in the pocket at times and um, not reading the field as well, uh, you know, as, as maybe you'd like him to. But I think he's their guy, no question about it. Um, I think the team believes that he's their guy as well, and that's obviously uh, so important as well. So, yeah, I'd be stunned, uh, barring some sort of unforeseen injury that, if he's not the guy behind, uh, you know, taking snaps from Tyler Linderbaum once, uh, once fall rolls around here. Yeah. And that's my suspicion too. And I also think it's very telling when every player talks about him as that's my quarterback, you know, they're not saying, Oh yeah, my boy, Alex, like, no, my boy Spencer. Right. Like, and I think that's, that means more than we can see with, you know, the untrained eye, I think is that leadership role and you know it it would be also a big gamble to switch up the leaders going into this season I think because you you said here's the starting guy you had for you know a, a season in which you only had two losses right and um there was a bowl game berth we never got to see the bowl game but here's this guy that we told you is gonna be leading the team for a year oh next year we're gonna change the leader like right I think- exactly I think the situation would have to be pretty egregious Mm -hmm. for Spencer Petras to not be the starting quarterback. And I think, you know, last practice, there were lots of like good moments and bad moments for the open and the open practice for both for actually all three quarterbacks. And then the other quarterback, the fourth quarterback, who's not on scholarship. Um, But like, for me, I I remember I was watching Padilla for a, a few minutes and, um, he looked like a deer in the headlights a little bit until he kind of settled in. And then all of a sudden, you know, he had like some good throws. And then I think he's a little bit better on his feet compared to Spencer. Um, just as far as like being able to make a play out of nothing. Right. right. Or what, what could be nothing. But then um, I was like, I'm not super encouraged by this Padilla guy taking over that starting spot. Like he would really, really have to impress me. And I think the Deuce Hogan situation is the same. And we can also wait, right? Like Iowa can wait on those two guys. Like they have a limited time left with Petrus. So why don't you ride the leader that you know? Yeah, you know, and and everybody, uh, I mean, he didn't have a spring practice last year. How tough is that? You know, know, when you're a first year starting quarterback and you don't have the spring to go through and, uh, you know, to work uh, on everything and to work with the offense. So, I mean, that he was put behind a a pretty big eight ball, uh, I think, with that. And, you know, he did what he uh, he did what he could. And, and, you know, again, just encouraged uh, with the last two, three games, whatever it was, where he, he started 
uh, it just looked like he started to develop some confidence and, uh, you know, was more accurate and was making better reads and things like that. So I, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if, if he doesn't, uh, you know, really improve this season and, and become, uh, you know, become uh, a very good quarterback for them. I really, I really would be surprised if that, if that doesn't happen. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but we'll have to see. Only time will tell. Can't wait for fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's enjoy I, the summer first though, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to go to one of these Cedar Rapids Colonels games. I want to get one of those hats. Uh, I just want a hat with like the little corn on it. Oh yeah. All my friends from Texas were like, you have to get one of these hats. It'd be the most <laughs> like aggressively Iowan thing ever. And I was like, I'm all about it. <laughs> no, it's uh it should be a good summer. It's, uh, you know, uh, you really missed it last season. Uh, I mean, obviously we had a lot of other bigger pressing things to worry about, but I mean, you, you really missed it. Uh, thankfully, you know, Cedar Rapids uh, wasn't affected by the whole uh, diminishing in the minor leagues. Um, I think there was some question about that at, at some point. And, you know, we still have a team. It's uh, still affiliated with the Minnesota Twins. We know it's going to be here for another 10 years and they're up a level from low A to high A. So uh, should be theoretically a little higher quality of baseball too. So well, let's do it. Say. Let's go. Will it be a higher quality baseball or not? Because it is the twins. Oh, so. okay. I see where you're going now. So you've yeah. been influenced <laughs> by my, my Twitter friends a little bit too much here. Yeah. So apparently there are probably quite a few incoming freshmen in Iowa that weren't even alive the last time the twins won a postseason game is that true that's that's accurate that's accurate i you know how can you how can you defend uh not having won a playoff game since two let's see 2002 i think it is so i got nothing for that nothing <laughs> nothing yeah. other than you know i might i could point out that you know uh how long has it been since the Cowboys were relevant in the NFL? A long time. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm a cynical fan. Like, I mean, I guess I do have hope every year, but I mean, I don't know. At this point, I just kind of own it, right? You just kind of right. you take your losses and you own it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I maybe I should just accept what I did with the Rangers a long time ago, which is like, this is not a good team. But the problem is, is Texas is a football state. We don't claim to be a baseball state. Well, I mean, the Astros maybe, but they cheat. They had to cheat to win. So they're pretty much, you know, nobody cares at this point. They're still not a baseball state. It is a football state, but it is more so a high school football state at this point and not really, uh, not really anything else as far as football, you know? Well, I have a question for you. We're uh, obviously you're, you're big time Cowboys and, and UT fan. So does one come above the other? Are they equal when it comes to football that way? Texas and, and the Cowboys or, you know. You could say, I mean, you know, it's always, it's always funny because people are always like ask me, what's your favorite NFL or college? And I like both equally. Okay. And I think Fair like, enough. and the Cowboys, I've definitely been a fan of longer than I have been a fan of the Texas Longhorns, but I will say it feels a little bit more personal to be connected to the Texas Longhorns because I went to school there. Right. And I went to every single game there while I was an undergrad, even a couple of away games. 
So, you know, I saw some of those players, you know, walking around campus. So it felt, it feels a little bit more personally attached to Longhorns, but then again, the Cowboys, I mean, I've been to a couple games, obviously it's a lot more expensive. Right. But, um, you know, I have a personal connection to them too. Like they were my make-a-wish. I got to meet them in 2012 for my, from the make-a-wish. And, uh, then I got to shadow some Cowboys reporters. So I was back at like the Cowboys like practice facilities or newer ones up in the first in Frisco a uh, couple of years back, right before I got my job in Mason city. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think one comes before the other, but there are certainly years where the, you know, the Cowboys have a little bit of a better time than the Longhorns or vice versa. And so then I kind of like, mm, that's okay. If the Longhorns lost today, at least have the Cowboys on Sunday or mm, if the Cowboys lost today, it's because it's okay only because the Longhorns won, and I can't have sure. it all, you know. <laughs> and you, you, uh, you paid a lot of more money to the University of Texas than you had than you ever have the Cowboys. So this is true. If I paid you a lot more literal money, skin the in the game. Yeah, yeah. If I paid a lot more money to the Cowboys, it'd probably be sad, like, <laughs> like really freaking sad. Like, oh no. I mean, I guess like I don't know how much season tickets are, but I, my guess is it's like more than the cost of tuition for a year yeah. at Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on the On Iowa Thank podcast. You, Leah. And we can, uh, t- can you tell people where they can follow you on Twitter if they don't already? Sure. Uh, since there's a million and 20 Jeff Johnsons out there, uh, my Twitter handle is J-E-J-E-66. 66 is my birth year in case anybody ever wondered about that. But uh, so that's where they can follow me. Um, yeah. Anything you got story-wise, anything you want to talk about? Uh, any grievances? I'm here. So. Yeah. Especially the grievances. Right. So. Right. <laughs> You'll get used to that as the Iowa beat writer as, as you go along here. So. Oh, I'm, al- I'm already getting messages. People already ask me about basketball. I do not cover basketball. I'm going to say that formally <laughs> on this podcast. Once again, I do not cover basketball. Please do not ask me about Jordan Bohannon. Please do not ask me about Luca Garza. I've never spoken with them in my life. So There you go. There you go. <laughs> You're doing great work. Keep it up. All righty. Well, thank y'all for coming and we'll, uh, we'll talk to y'all next time. <laughs>